because you know the other thing is i mean even comments on that same article were like well one of the authors isn't even an architect and i'm so now you have to be an architect to to even have an opinion on this it, we are way too protective of this to your point about you know are we losing control of the term architect oh, we lost control of that thing a long time ago <laughs> What's architecture really about? Archispeak is a show that dares to peek under the architectural kimono, exposing what architecture really is, what it is that architects really do, and show you why we are passionate about our chosen profession. I'm Evan Troxell. Join Neil Pan, Cormac Phelan, and me as we have a casual conversation about all things architecture, which includes all the stuff people don't talk about. Think you already know what architecture is really about? Tune in to find out. Time for some Marcus speak. <laughs> and with that, welcome to episode 21 of the Arcus Speak podcast. I'm Neil Pan. I'm Evan Troxel. And I'm Cormac Phelan. And we're sad to report we have no friends of the show for this episode. Wah, so, wah. We're gonna, wah, wah. so we're going to dive right into it with uh, who, who earns the title of architect. We're going to deal with this subject here today. We'll have it in the show notes, but there was an article on, on Fast Company, and uh, it, it created a bit of a stir, a stir recently uh, about why Daniel Lieberskin is no architect. And the, the articles t- discussing the global debate raging inside the architecture community over who earns the title architect. So we're going to start off with that. And real quick, before we even jump into that, show notes are at arcuspeakpodcast.com slash episode slash 21. And you can uh, sign up to get them delivered right to your inbox. That's right. All right. Well, if you look at... Write them. <laughs> if, if you look at the article and you kind of break it down, first, if you just start with the Daniel Liebskin is no architect. And, you know, it's talking about the American Institute of Architects LinkedIn group. Uh, they had they posted this article, which was kind of a conversation started from an article written in Britain over the use of the term architect uh, or designer when you're practicing architecture in um, the entire country. You know, because they have a licensure that basically covers the entire country, unlike ours, which is state by state. And so, it started talking about that in. You know, you you kind of read through it all, and it starts talking about, you know, if you haven't earned a license or if you don't have a license in that country, you can't be called an architect. I, I When we started talking about whether or not we were going to talk about this uh, article on the show, I actually circulated it around to a few people in the office, and, you know, we were, we were debating if... If you went, like, say, Neil, you are a registered architect in the state of California. So if you licensed. come out to... Licensed what architect. What did I we say? We don't call it registered here. Yeah. Eh, whatever. Licensed, registered. This is exactly the no, point. No, no, no. It's very important. <laughs> okay. I am not a registered right. architect in the state of California. I am a licensed architect. Yeah. Okay. Well, as a licensed architect who went through all of the tests and was, you know... Deemed. Passed and 
deemed worthy of being, you know, of earning a license to practice architecture in the state of California, you are entitled to the term architect. Now, yes, yes. If you travel, it, it, it was it was kind of this interesting thing. If if I go to another state, and you know you're not registered in that state, if you're wanting to practice in that state, you're wanted to be called a designer, not an architect. But you know, in in his particular case, he's not on the list to you know the RIBA or whatever it is. Um, yeah. He's not on the list to be an architect in Britain. So when he practices there, he typically pairs up with someone else who is a registered, licensed architect, and that's how they practice. But what's deceiving about this is they say Daniel Leapskin is no architect. Well, well, that's a headline. It's a headline. It's yes. a news grabber and it's and a all click this other generator. stuff. And <laughs> and so they and the interesting thing about it is, and the reason that I wanted to bring it up is, so you go down to the comments. And it's really the comments that kind of um, are amazing because, you know, they're just like, oh, you know, he shouldn't be calling himself an architect if he's not a, a licensed architect. And it goes on and on. And there's hundreds of comments. And so it's just like, okay, the guy's a registered architect. You go to the New York uh, State website for, and I did just for the hell of it. I went to the New York State, um, and sure enough, Daniel Liebskin, um has a license, and I'm not going to read his license number out loud, but um, there is a license that he received in 2003, and he is registered through uh, for 2015. Yeah. He's, well, a, he's an architect. There, there's a clarification, and I don't know when this clarification uh, was I, posted I to the article. Um, it does state as a clarification for his article. I don't think this was here originally when I saw it, um, but it does say that he is registered in three countries, the United States, which actually isn't really clear because I don't know how many states he's registered in, but, uh, you know, obviously in New York, as you just said, but, uh, Germany and Italy. So, I mean, he can practice in all three countries, but apparently not the UK. Right. His office is in New York, so he's a registered New York architect. Makes sense. Um, and in fact, the reason that he went through the whole process of it was because when he was um, put in charge of uh, the Ground Zero, um, basically the remaking of Ground Zero in the Trade Center area, and he was designing buildings, well, he couldn't technically be designing any of those buildings if he wasn't, you know, registered. But That's not even true. He no, just couldn't no, sign the okay. drawings. He couldn't sign that's, off on the drawings. That's true. You're right. You're right. That's true. So that led to a question that actually one of my friends at work said. Okay, so Neil, you're a registered, uh, licensed, <laughs> licensed architect in California. Yes. If you're to travel around, so now that you're, you know, you came to D.C., well, you're not a licensed or registered or anything architect in D.C., you're right. no longer a, you, are you no longer an architect right. because you're <laughs> exactly. somewhere else you know and it's just it's this ridiculous it's, notion it's that it's ludicrous politics exactly and um you know uh anybody can get you know can par- partner up and pair with somebody to have it 
you know, legally signed and sealed in that jurisdiction doesn't necessarily, to me, make them any less of a capable quality architect. It just is semantics, you know, or it's it's actually, well, whatever. I, but you but, can only say that because you're not licensed. Uh, you don't know what it's like. Now, and I and I say that tongue in cheek, but I mean, I know you're gonna hear. We're gonna hear that, right? They're gonna email you. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, here's the thing. You know, email um, Cormac, everybody. His Twitter account's listed on our website. How you know? How many times um, have you met a? And this is gonna piss off a lot of people, but you know, you've you've met these uh kids who come out of school, their only desire is to get you know, licensed, registered. Um and so they basically do their IDP time, they sit for the exam, they get their license, and now they're an architect. Right. With okay. three years of experience. Yep. Okay. To me, that's not an architect. That's somebody who sat for a test and is now called an architect, but still is lacking a huge amount of experience and skill to truly be able to take a building from conceptual design to here handing over the keys on a finished building. Or beyond well, that. Th- I mean, that's, that's somebody who may not have the experience of doing all of that, you know, but they, but they, are at least familiar with the process. I mean, that part of the exam, um, and we'll have a link in our show notes for this too, to Bob's most recent article. One of the things I like in it is he does, um, you know, show all the different types of exams and, and uh, the process for the different ARE exams over the years. Um, you know, they, it's a pretty broad series of exams, and it covers a lot of different aspects of of practice um and you know you don't do all of these different things i mean i don't think i've ever dealt with a construction change directive in my entire 25 plus year you know (laughs) career and Um, i just finished but that's uh, just just finished writing one (laughs) okay there you go and but am i any less of an architect because of the work that i do doesn't involve that type of stuff you know i mean that's a it's an interesting question because the type of work that I've done most of my career, most architects wouldn't even consider architecture. And so, um, you know, where does that leave somebody like me um, well, who is, quote unquote, a license? I, I was the guy who sat. I passed all the exams. You know, I got my license. And the reason I, you know, the, the reason I did is, you know, twofold. One, I wanted to become an architect. And two, I got tired of saying, well, I'm kind of a designer. I am, you know, like, blah, 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 blah. I'm not really an architect. So a I'm lot not of people licensed. do it for I'm that reason alone. I'm not supposed to say that. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. I was like, damn it, I'm going to get this thing. And then I'm going to proudly say I am an architect. And then I don't have to make any excuses anymore. Look, don't get me wrong. I mean, I don't want to diminish anybody's achievement for taking that uh, extraordinarily difficult pain in the ass of a test. Oh, period. Yes. I mean... And it's not that, you know, there are plenty of schools out there that do start to, you know, help you learn the profession. Um, You know, and and I don't want to get off on that tangent either. But there's, you know, there's a lot of people out there that aren't really prepared to hold the title of architect yet still do. Um, 
but, but that's okay. But, but, but before we get off on that, well, okay, I think even right, people yeah. might argue that Daniel Liebeskin doesn't deserve to. <laughs> well, and if you read if you read the comments in the article, or if you, I mean, I and not just semantically, but I mean just experiencing oh, no. his buildings. <laughs> you know, well, not, not that I have, but but I've heard it, that, and that is true. You know, in fact, you know, there's you know numerous comments about it. You know, he's um, you know egotistical buildings, blah blah blah. He should. Excuse me, you shouldn't be called an architect, period, blah, you know, and, and everything else. You know, um, it, that goes to, you know, another article that we want to talk about that, you know, you can't please everybody, you know, kind of notion. And, and we'll get to that one. But let's look at some historical people that we study as master architects that weren't architects. Number yep. one, Frank Lloyd Wright, right. never an architect. Corbusier. Well, Cor- Corbusier, Daniel Burnham. I mean, on and on and on. And I mean, you could just go through, I mean, hell, and that, even now. And uh, you know, that's you know, actually Ando. what I, that's what I love about the end of that article. What's in a name? Shakespeare famously wrote, fact is, it doesn't matter what much we were called. What matters is the truth of what we are doing, building and creating for our world. And I, I, I'm glad that that was the last sentence. Right. Because right. I'm not an architect, but I do architecture, you know, and you can't negate that. Uh, you cannot tell me what I don't do or what I do do, you know? Right. You know, in, in... Well, okay. So let's, I mean, I agree with all of that. And I have worked with people that never got their license and they're just as much of an architect as I am. They, we do the same. We he have done the same things uh, for the same firms, in fact. And, uh, you know, they weren't licensed and that's okay. Um, they weren't the ones signing the drawings. They weren't the principal with the name right. on the door. He's the guy that was signing the drawings. The liability. Um, I mean, a lot of know, people, yeah, you there's know, a huge, a lot of people don't, you know, and actually, yeah, that's actually, that right there is actually, a, you know, something that's, we should talk about too. I mean, how many architects that work in, you know, mid to larger firms even do any signing and sealing? Right. They do, uh, uh, nobody in our office except for one person right. signs those documents. Period. Yeah, that, that, when I you worked know. for a firm that was a mid-sized firm, mid and then grew to a large-sized firm, um, yeah, I, I, there was one time I signed some, some plans in that, in that office and that, that was it. I mean, um, there was one guy basically who checked all the drawings. He's the and guy who like, signed virtually every set. Were you like, are you sure you want me to sign these? You know, in in that case, uh, I wasn't worried about it. I, I was covered by the company's insurance. Well, so, you know, that's I mean, I wasn't case. personally going to be liable for anything. Um, yeah, and uh, so it, that didn't necessarily bother me. Um, now, that being said, I haven't been sued knock on wood uh i have signed my own stuff since i have been exception to that rule practicing well it's probably like what do they say about uh data loss you know or hard drives Uh, you're either had a hard drive fail or or you're going to right um you know i guess uh, it's not if it's when it's not if and when yeah so let's knock on wood that that doesn't happen um but you know one of the things i i wanted to touch on with this article because it brings up the subject and you know i mean i think that for the most part i think we can all agree that 
that, uh, you know, whether you're licensed or not, the, the practice of architecture, um, you know, can be done by people that are either licensed or not. And, and passing the test has um, sort of this rite of passage and something that those people that want to get licensed do. And, that, and that's, our, our, that's what we want to do, and we do it. But I think what's interesting and what I found uh, kind of fascinating about this, this article was the discussion of the, the term architect and how it's been sort of lost uh, and what do we do about that as a profession? So as a larger profession in general, you know what I mean? Because if you search for, you know, a job uh, under architect, you know, nine, you at least here in the Bay Area. Well, yeah, and, and especially here in the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area, where I live, I mean, it's all software architects. And so well, the term architect has just eroded to mean, you know, not, certainly not building architect. Uh, for the most part. And, and so what I find interesting about this is like, do we close ranks on this? As the article says, you know, you're either licensed or you're not an architect. And how, and what is the effect of that? You know, do, are we minimizing ourselves by getting so stuck on legally, you know, the state of California says, you know, if you practice the building architecture, you can't represent yourself as an architect. You can't use that term, um, architecture or architect, at all. And, and you know, and a lot of I people get busted that. for that. I mean, I, I get quarterly newsletters with the most fascinating thing about the uh, the uh, the quarterly newsletters I get from the state licensing board yeah. is who got busted. Holy crap! Those are the funniest things. I mean, it's like really you said what and you did this and wow, what an idiot! You deserve to get fined. And, um, you know, but anyway, I think, you know, uh, you know, what do we do about this? Are, are yeah. we, you know, should we just say, hey, fine, everybody's an architect and embrace that idea or, you know, take the opposite um, tact and say, you know, and, and rail against all these people that are, are using the term architect? No, I mean, to backpedal off of what I was saying earlier about, you know, the test and how, you know, people are lacking of experience and stuff. I, I, I find extraordinary value in the term being a legal, you know, term being used by, um, people who've actually, you know, taken and passed the tests and are licensed architects. I mean, we're, we're, we're talking about, you know, if we look at the broader spectrum here, we're talking about life safety. We're talking about, you know, there's several other, you know, kind of like branch art, um, articles about it, you know, and, and the comments in there. And, and you know, any, anybody who's, you know, wants to go in and read this article, read the article, but read the comments. Because the comments are, you know, coming from people from both sides of the fence. And it, it's really interesting to hear the comments that registered architects, and I'm going to just keep saying registered architects. That's fine. So, Step off, damn you. <laughs> but, uh, you know, um, but registered architects take it very seriously, and they should, and we should. As a profession, we should take it very seriously. Because, But to your point about, you know, are we losing control of the term architect? Oh, we lost control of that thing a long time ago. Um, you know, I get into, you know, we've got tons and tons of contractors, government contractors around here. Obviously, it's D.C. But... Um, 
And they're all architects. Now, not one of them are in the building and construction, you know, design and construction industry. They are systems architects. They are, you know, security, you know, security system architects. They're this architect and that architect because they feel if they are building um, something, whether it's, you know, tangible or not, they're an architect. And, you know, it irks the hell out of me, you know, when you say, well, hell, I can't even take, you know, call myself an architect if I'm not licensed. <laughs> That's probably the and, worst part. Yeah. And this guy can. Right. You well, know. and it doesn't really bother me. I, I guess um, I one of, a, one of the listeners of the show, Greg Lovadera, he posted on uh, Jess Stafford's big time small firm, the Google Plus community, about this, this exact topic. And uh, I agree with what Hugh said, and, and he was basically saying that, you know, that the term is a perceived, has perceived value of prestige. And and so, of course, people are going to adopt that. Like, yeah, of course they are. You know, that's why they're doing it, right? Because it has this this feel to it, right? And that's all they're going for. And And they're not trying to co-opt anything from us at all right they're not trying to 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 be perceived as a building architect they are trying to play off the word and that's right. when i feel like <clears throat> let them you know that if if that's really if they feel like that's their place in their industry there's nothing we can do about that and and they are never going to say i'm an architect they're going to say i am a software architect or i am a ui architect or whatever they're doing they're never going to say i'm an architect Right, because they don't want to be ambiguous like that. Actually, I, I did meet somebody who used, you know, um, who no way. used that. Yes, absolutely used the ambiguous term of it. And he's like, "Well, I'm an architect." I said, like, "Really? You know, um, what firm do you work for?" And he's just like, "Well, you know, I'm a private contractor for the government." I'm like, "Okay, well, that that sounds really interesting." So we started talking about, what a and he's like, bag. "You know, well, I, I, you know, we build systems." You know, I'm like, "Oh." So you're not an architect architect. You're a computer programmer. You, know, you and really it, shouldn't call yourself it, an architect. And it, it, it pissed him off because I, um, he thought that I devalued him by calling him a computer programmer when what I was really trying to do is say, you're not an architect in the sense that I, you know, in the conversation that I thought because, you know, here I am. 15 years in the architecture profession and I know what an architect is <laughs> and did and you I know say what an architect no isn't. don't be offended because I'm not one either what <laughs> Jesus no just I was <laughs> because you know the other thing is I mean even comments on that same article were like well one of the authors isn't even an architect and I'm so now you have to be an architect to, to even have an opinion on this right, right? <laughs> give me a break <laughs> I mean, actually, he, it, we are breaks, way too protective fact, of this. He breaks the rules Evan. here, uh, by the way. He calls himself an architectural designer, and that by this, and he lives in the he lives in San Francisco, state of California. He's breaking the law. Yeah, you can't See, call actually, yourself you know an architectural designer. In so California. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm nitpicking here, but it's like. You know, this is what the the but, law says. You can't use that terminology see, in representing you can, but, yourself. But see, you can nitpick even further though, because you know, you have um, firms that call you know recent graduates intern architects. You've right. got them okay. as staff architects. You've got project architects. You've got senior project architects, and all of this other stuff. And most likely, anybody who's senior project project architect and lower 
is not a licensed architect. Right. Most likely, they are, you know, I mean, and there's rare occasions or whatever, but I mean, for the most part, you know, project managers um, or above typically fall into, you know, the register, or at least, you know, a handful of them are registered architects, and, you know, not all of them. I don't want to get into, you know, that kind of crap, but, you know, I mean, you've got, so in, we're breaking our own rules by call, you know, um, giving people titles of project architect when they're not a project architect because they are not an architect. You know, they're somebody with five years of experience with no, you know, registration or license. And they, um, they're not, you know, they're not an architect. Well, I think, I think so two, two, things, two things come to my mind. We're doing it, you know? So, right. So, talk about what do we do about it? Our we own don't rules. Two so things, two things okay. come to my mind. Number one is, uh, words have meaning. I mean, I tell my kid this all the time, my kids. Uh, it's what you say matters. Yeah. And if you're misrepresenting yourself, then you're an idiot. I mean, and people like you, when you, when this other guy called himself an architect, you called him on it. Yeah. And people need to do that. If, they, if, if it means something to, to you, you've got to do that. But the other thing that it really brings to my mind is that titles are difficult, Right. Because there are so, yeah. if you go from one firm to another and you do the exact same job, you will have a different title. I guarantee mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Right. There is no way that everybody can agree on this stuff. It, right. You just can't. And, and it's like, what are you wasting your time worrying well, about you know, this for? You know, it's interesting, though, is if you look at the AIA billing and you look at the way that, like, you know, our particular firm breaks down the way that they do billing. They'll do billing, and you'll look at like the hourly rates assigned to a staff architect, a position. project architect, senior project Which architect. There's no standard for you know, um, and so they'll have like a cost breakdown of each of those particular things, you know. And as a project manager, you know, other than the senior project manager and the um, principal, you know, I'm billed at a higher rate than you know most everybody else in the office. But, You're a special. Uh, no, but I'm just saying is that that's the food. <laughs> yes, I, I know. Thank you. The short yellow bus kind, though. But, um, <laughs> but I mean, you know, it's it's the way. I mean, I'm go, I'm trying to make a point about going back to the the way that even firms title their own employees. I mean, by the very nature of the way that they're titled, the way that they bill, and everything else. They're breaking the. They're, we're breaking our own laws, you know, right. because we aren't. You know, nobody is. You know, you're fresh out of college. You're not a project architect by law. You right. are a project architect because that is your role on the project. But you're not <laughs> a project architect because you can't be called a architect. Right. You can't right. use the term. Um, so, so what I find interesting about that, Cormac, is that nobody, I don't, I have never heard anybody complain about firms titling people like that, but yet I hear everybody moaning and complaining about other folks using the title architect, yeah, you know, if they're software oh, yeah, yeah. architects or, or whatever, whatever other architects they are, um, you know, so so it's like this this double standard 
It's like, it's like, it's okay for us to break the rules, at least firms for titles. Cause I, I, what I find interesting, uh, is that most people that are working towards license, getting their license, um, care about that. You know, mm-hmm. so they don't run around saying, I'm an architect. You know, they'll say, I'm a designer. You know, I'm working towards my license or something like that. And they're very careful about it and because they care. And um, I, I think, and, you know, other folks, you know, they just they don't seem to care. And, and they'll just throw the word around. And so I guess we got to find, you know, some middle ground here. Um, How are we going to do that? I have no idea. There's no way. I mean, do we need? There's no do we way. Need, do we need somebody like the AIA to step in? And How say, are they going to do that? <laughs> I have no idea. They're not. Maybe we just. Maybe we do it internally. Maybe we need to tell uh, you know the companies. The problem is that I, I was going to say maybe we need to tell the companies we work for. Hey, I'm not an architect, so you can't call me a project architect. But the problem is with that is that a lot of the billing structure for projects is tied into, you know, a certain level of person working on the project. So if you're just a draftsman or drafter three or two or one or, or whatever, project architect, senior project architect or project manager, you know, all these different titles have different dollar values assigned to them and, uh, or typically. And so if you're working at a certain rate on a, on a project, you know, you need to bill out at that rate. So they just call you that because that's the rate they need to bill you at for that project. Or maybe that's the level of responsibility, whether you're licensed or not. This is ludicrous. That you're doing, right? They and don't so bill you. In- they don't. You're on a fixed fee or a percent of construction. You make the money or you, d- you know, you make the money. It takes what it takes to get the job done. Like, I, I, I understand what's going on, but it is an accountant's way of doing things. Sure. It is not a creative way of doing things. You do what you need to do to get the job done right. in a firm. You don't, honestly, you don't have to track all those hours. You just don't. You just do the job. And so that's all, on some level, bullshit, right? When it comes down it's, to it. Well, it's tracked internally, not, it's not tracked externally by the client to... But, yeah, for, I know what you're saying. It's tracked internally, but even then, those time cards are fiction. Because you, Cormac, don't put down all your hours, do you? You just don't. So what because you work 80 is, hours is, a week instead of 40, but you don't want to put 80 hours on the job because then it looks like you're not profitable. It's just all BS. And so, like, when oh, it I comes totally back to all these here. indexes and all this stuff, it's. It's just numbers for the sake of writing an article in a magazine. It's not even reality. And I think this is like the main nut of the whole problem is we are thinking about the wrong things. We are totally thinking of architecture compared to accounting or architecture compared to fashion. We are not talking about architecture, right? We're trying well, but, to measure okay. ourselves against all these other things that are going on in the world. It makes me crazy. Evan, I agree. I agree with you. But I will say this, though, is that internally, you know, for a firm, and I'm, I'm not proposing because I, I have worked at a place that really dove into the numbers and it drove me crazy. I was like, why am I sitting in this meeting for two hours with you know, six other people from this 40-man office 
40 person office, excuse me, you know, wasting two hours of time talking about numbers. Let me get out and get my job done yeah. because I'm not doing it right now. But anyway, <laughs> but like what I, what I was going to, there's my little side, side rant there. But, um, but internally though, I mean, maybe not on projects that you work on where you, where you're working on a percentage of, uh, of the construction cost and, and you have, you know, these multi month or year timelines, um, which we have talked about before are all just, you know, small timelines added up over a long period of time. But, you know, for some of the work, a lot of the work that I do in residential, um, those timelines are pretty small and short. And oftentimes, you know, you can break a job down by saying, okay, we only have X number of dollars to do this project because we're not doing it based on cost of construction. We have a fee, you know, it's, it's $10,000. Right. Okay. Well, I'm getting paid X number of dollars an hour that, you know, you just do simple math and it tells you, okay, I've got 200 hours to get this job done. And 200 hours is, you know, four weeks of time or whatever, broken up with three or four people. It's like, okay, we have to be done by the end of the month or we don't make any money on this project or the money, the job costs us money. Yeah, to no, do. I totally get that. And that's the know. side that I fall on too. Cause I do, I do put down all the hours that I work, but I know lots of people who want their jobs to look profitable mm-hmm. and they don't do that. And so then how is that even possible? What you're talking about? If, if they want to look at historical data to, give them an idea of how long the next project is going to take that is the same type it's a similar program oh yeah all those things and the numbers aren't right you can't it doesn't work you're absolutely right i mean my wife used to work for a firm where um just just slight slight sidebar here but i mean they asked her what she thought you know the project would cost and i'll throw out round numbers here i think it was like eighty thousand dollars or something was her estimate uh at some point and uh they they you know they they wanted the project so they cut the fee to like fifty thousand or something like that they took 30 40 grand off of it or oh maybe maybe half you know and so then when the project started going over budget okay because obviously it was going to go over budget. You can't do it because you can't magically do it in half the amount of time. Right. Um, she started getting in trouble. It was like, oh, why is this project so far over budget? <laughs> and I think you've talked about that before. I think maybe I have. And uh, but uh, you know, but, but you're but at the end of the day, Evan, you're absolutely right. You need to put down this uh, those that figure. You know the hours you're putting in for that historical information, so you can you can tell in the future. Okay, well, this project really took us, you know, 400 hours, um, you know, not 200, and therefore we better price it accordingly, or we just make the decision. Okay, yeah, we're gonna exactly. we're gonna do we're yeah. gonna do it for we are gonna do the cost of 200 hours, and we either a figure out a way to do it in 200 hours, or we realize okay, yeah, we won't make any money on it. Maybe there are, there's valid reasons. Maybe, you know, hey, this is a prestigious project. It doesn't matter. This will get us more jobs. Who knows? I mean, right. you need to make those decisions and move on. Anyway, we kind of strayed off from the topic of <laughs> yeah, we did. Of Cormac, I think Cormac but, still has things to add there. Okay, go ahead, Cormac, because oh, we no, want to move on to this other article about Starbucks, too. Oh, no. I, I, um, there are some other art- um, articles that are 
very similar to that. And in fact, you know, um, Arc Daily's got one that basically references this, um, the AIA's um, LinkedIn post, and then it you know references the Fast um, Company one. So you know we'll we'll put those in the show notes and, and link that. So there's there's several different ones you know talking about you know does the title of architect um, deserve to be protected and so on. And so there's some really interesting um, um, perspectives from the the guy who wrote this particular article. And um, again, you know, uh, the value of the article is not just in the article and the content of the article itself, but it's in the perspectives that the comments or the commenters um, are are presenting here because they've they make some some great points about, um, you know, why they value the term um, architect. Well, and it, it's important, I think, to point out of whose whose perspective are you? caring about because one of the quotes in the article in the the fast company article was was really on point it says the effort to criminalize alternate uses of the word and to chastise those designers who use it is a desperate grasp to, to retain relevance i mean basically what they're saying is the only people who care about this are are Us. architects right yeah we're the only ones who care about it. i mean if the you sit there care. and you know, I've got, you know, a couple of friends who are registered who really care about um, the term. But, you know, what they don't care about is their own personal level of knowledge and care of the craft. They just care about the title. I mean, the public, when when they go into a building, they're not, and if something were wrong with it, they're not assuming it's the architect automatically. I mean, there's so many parties involved. I mean, really the public's relying on the building codes and the officials to make sure that they're safe, right? There's inspectors, there's codes, there's all these entities. I mean, when you, you don't even think about this stuff, right? When you go into a building, but, but you know, on a, on a, on a level that all of this stuff had to work for, for it to be deemed occupiable. But that's what you think of when you go into a building, when other people go into it and they think about the building and stuff, you know, and if they're not familiar with, um, you know, the profession and what goes into it, they're only going to think of one person, the architect, you know, the architect's bad. Um, this is a poorly designed space, or this is a great space. The architect is good, you know, and stuff like that. Um, I mean, there's, Rarely, you know, or at least in my experience, I'm I'm not going to you know speak for you or anything, but I'm I'm just saying that rarely do I find anybody who lays blame or um, applause to anybody but the architect for a successful or failed building. I don't, I, yeah, I don't think I I don't agree with that because people live in houses that are a copy of 200 other houses that are five feet away from their next door neighbor. They're not thinking about the architect. Oh, well, he, this is what they're know. used to. Yeah. Mediocre buildings, you know? Right. Well, <laughs> you know what? That, that's, that's actually, honestly, another topic. Yeah. And, um, about, you know, and, and I do actually really want to put that on our list. Well, yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure we all, well, no, Neil designed his own. Well, he designed the <laughs> renovation to his house. So right. we can't say mediocre for that one. Cause uh, I've I'm seen sure the pictures, it's, and it's nice. It's nice. You, you could say mediocre. I mean, it's not. It's not. It's not great, but you know, it's nice. 
<laughs> it did uh, functions. You know, I mean, to all of the potential clients of uh, Neil Pan Architects, uh, he was only kidding. <laughs> They're not listening to this anyway. Yeah. Preaching to the choir. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but but I mean you know the the actually what you and I um, Evan are talking about is um, you know in, in the perception of you know architect or not when you know somebody walks into a building is honestly a great segue into the other article that we wanted to talk about which is um, in let's see, let me click over to I, I left the profession what. Right. St- no, what Starbucks gets that architects don't, or why I left the architecture profession. Right. Um, which was an extremely interesting, albeit in my own personal view, a bit kind of naive in a way that um, basically, you know, a, an article about how architects listen to their ego, not their client. And, and, and kinda, I mean, I would I would throw in a disclaimer up front, um, and, and you guys know this as well as as I'm sure the author of that did. I mean, you can never say enough. This is a generalization <laughs> up front, well, and, right? And, because and, you can't you just can't where, cover all the bases. You know, there's well, just no see, way. But see, and that's that's the that I think that's the but reason why this particular article fired so many people up. Because it was a broad stroke generalization about the entire profession and not, you know, a select few. Because um, there are a select few that, you know, and, you know, we'll go back to that one quote that I don't necessarily particularly care for from old uh, Frankie, who, you know, about, you know, I don't know why uh, people hire architects uh, they when they want to tell us what, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, you know, if they don't want us to, you know, and, and then they want to tell us what to do, you know, kind of thing, you know, and it just, you know, there comes a point when you really do need to um, kind of step back and kind of distill um, certain people and personas in architecture to the general population of architects and architectural professional designers, you know, their engineers and everybody else who are busting their ass to get a good, well-designed, well-coordinated building together that suits the needs of the clients. And so saying suits the need of the clients, to me, automatically triggers that, you know, you will sit there and you will listen to the client. And um, the thing that, you know, and, and I, I was wanted to bring this up to you, Evan, I mean, you and I, in what we do with public schools and things like that, we listen to committee after committee after committee on, you know, whether it's the PTA, the teachers, the administrative staff, you know, the area coordinators, the actual like project managers within the um, capital construction department and all these other things. I mean, there's hundreds of people that typically want to offer their opinion about how the building should look um, or function and everything else. So, you you're getting all of this input and you're listening to everybody. Mm-hmm. How can you make one building that fits all? Yeah. You can't. Right. So if I do by chance ignore one person because I'm trying to make a comfortable building for the end user, which is the teachers and the students, 
you know, I mean, so now am I shamed into being being lumped into what architects don't get because they're not listening to every single solitary person? I'm not sitting out there, you know, doing some anthropomorphic study of, you know, how people sit down in every, you know, different form or fashion. And I haven't polled like thousands of people to tell them, you know, for them to tell me what my, you know, what the building should be. I think it's it's ludicrous (laughs) that she picked Starbucks. (laughs) and the reason why is i mean just pulling up the wikipedia article on starbucks it says right now that they have twenty thousand eight hundred ninety one stores in 62 countries right i mean if that isn't um the ability to build upon the last one and do it better every time i don't know what what another model is that that could do that any better right I mean, you and and you're saying it exactly right. You have a completely unique set of constraints, program requirements, and people, and budget that is completely different than the next project you're going to do. A hundred percent different. Right. And in, and it's like, the- it, it, I don't know how you can possibly compare Starbucks with architecture and architects. Well, you know. Well, I mean, it goes. You know, I in- see what she's saying, but. Well, you know, exactly, you know, and <laughs> although, you know, and then I, I was, you know, just reading the article, you know, article, and, you know, um, Starbucks interviewed hundreds of coffee drinkers before determining that round hundreds. Yeah, wow. would be the best solution for people. And then it goes on further to say, there are no empty seats at a round table, and yet they post a picture with, with a, a bunch half of empty, empty tables, with a half empty Starbucks showing empty round tables. Yeah. Um, you know, I understand what she's trying to say about, you know, the, you know, the aspect of the round table and the conversational aspect of it and all that other stuff. But I mean, again, what you just said is it doesn't, you know, okay, so they interviewed a hundred, a hundred, you know, or hundreds, hundreds. of coffee, of coffee drinkers over, would you say 20,000? Yep. Almost 21,000 stores. And I can guarantee that just like the local Starbucks that I went to today, probably had hundreds of coffee drinkers come in and out of their door just in the first few hours of the morning. Well, and and maybe she's generalizing in their there square too. tables. I mean, and and so what yeah. <laughs> Me mine too. Um yeah. but may, maybe what she's saying is people like Starbucks. I mean, and and why? You know, why do the, why do people like to be there? No. And I think what she's saying is People respond to what they're doing, and and you can tell. I mean, Starbucks did go through a recent kind of an upgrade to a lot of their stores. In my area, they upgraded yes. every single one of them. They're they're going through that process around here, and, and you can, you... I mean, I mean, they they run that place like a business, right? I mean, they definitely are catering to their customers, and they, sh- and they should. I mean, totally. <clears throat> well, okay. I mean, and what they're doing is they're trying. You know, they've done these studies that basically say, you know, you know, you're not going to have, you know. It's interesting that, you know, there was Starbucks that had, you know, the big, large, comfy couches and chairs and stuff like that. But it's slowly but surely been streamlined to have, you know, these just like the, you know, these photographs show, you know, these large, um, you know, these uh, high chairs with the uh, high tables, you know, um, and it's it's changed from 
you know, just the basic comfortable lounger that'll stay around for maybe, you know, an hour or so and read a book, read the newspaper and stuff to people who will go in there, you know, they'll sit down to enjoy their coffee and maybe they'll get up and they'll go and get another coffee before they leave. Or, you know, because they're in there and they see the pastries and stuff, they'll say, yeah, let me go grab a pastry, but they're not in there for a while to, And so their model is basically now changed from the lounger to get them in and out. Hmm. And that's not what the intent of architecture really is. It's the intent of businesses. So when we're sitting down and listening to all of our, um, I'm trying to find my point here. (laughs) You know, when when we sit down and, you know, we go through all of these interviews, because that's what I think they really are when we're sitting down and talking to all of the different user groups of like, you know, a public school or, or, you know, other, um, community buildings and stuff. I mean, we sit down and we interview them. We, we, you know, try to find out what, how they use the building, you know, what they do and everything else to try to find out what is the best comfort level of the building. You know, how is it best going to be used and things like that. So, I mean, we have a, a slightly different mindset that we're not trying to rotate customers in and out, you know, to maximize profitability. We're trying to you know, find the sweet spot of the, of the building, you know, (laughs) and try and say, okay, you know, we aren't going to get everybody to be happy, but if we find that sweet spot where at least everybody can enjoy it for the period that they're there. And then, you know, I don't know. I just <laughs> read <laughs> looking at all these little things. It just, it I gets think why too she left the profession is because she can't handle this profession. She doesn't understand it. She doesn't know how to work in it. Well, there's, there's She's, definitely that side of the argument. It's like, well, instead of leaving the profession, why don't you try to fix it? If, if you see a huge problem with it, because it's, first of all, it's not a fair argument to put, to pin up architecture versus, Starbucks. No, she she's got right. an axe to grind here. Yeah, she totally. she definitely has an. I mean, she had a bad work experience. And there is a Which, there is a rebuttal article article to this. I on know, there, daily. and we'll 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 link to that as well. But uh, you know, just I want to talk just for a moment about this. I mean, this is a, a complete. Uh, this is an article written to get some hits and to make her some money. Um, it's poorly written. It. It just hits on different little little things here and there, and uh, I mean, she's she points out that uh, apparently we don't interview anybody, and because Starbucks does, and they're not a sponsor of this show, but they should be uh, after all the promotion they're getting tonight mm. or today on this show. But um, you know, and says, okay, well, architects, they don't listen. And st- look, Starbucks interviewed a few hundred people and, and they have round tables now. Look, they listen. They know it. They, architects don't get it. And it's like, look, I- I'm sorry here, but really, did you just spend the first part of your architecture profession just drawing bathroom details or something? Because, you know, the rest of us out here actually do talk to our clients. We talk to people. Well, and there you okay? go. That's I mean, our job. All your is to, to to listen. That's my job. You didn't interview I'm an, my I'm a clients. I'm sole practitioner. I'm a sole <laughs> right. practitioner. And what do you think I do? I spend the first two hours meeting with somebody for free. By the way, most of the time, and it's like I talk to them about what's the problem. How can I help you solve it? Okay, look. 
this is what I'm doing. Oh, I'm sorry. Santiago Calatrava has some leaking buildings and he's got some issues. And see, look, architects don't pay any attention to the human needs. We need shelter. What a bunch of bullshit. Come on. <laughs> really? Yeah. There's your boing. Do you get a boing moment for that one? Maybe not. Uh, no, no, that, that, that's a tame That's one, not so. worthy. Okay. But, I mean, you know, really? I mean, come on. And then she then she goes on to talk about, you know, oh, are there people in photographs? We talked about that one last week. Get you know, but photo. it's like, oh, <laughs> yeah, read our, uh, last episode, I should say. But uh, it's like, oh, well, we only care about obscure angles in a place where two materials meet. Yeah, well, you know what? We're architects. We get off on that stuff <laughs> because we learn. We learn, and it's really cool. And like, uh, like Cormac said in our last episode, you know, I did, if I wanted people in there, I would have designed them. Otherwise, get out of the way. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, hey, we design our buildings for people. Who the hell do you think lives in these buildings? That's the whole point of, um, of architecture. But that's, you know, I mean, it is the are, whole yes, point. Look, and she doesn't get yeah. that. She doesn't get that. She doesn't give any um, time or consideration. That's why I think she's, and I don't know this. Hey, you know what, Christine, contact us. Let us know. I mean, um, did did you spend the first six months or year or three years of your, you know, profession uh, practicing architecture, she says, in Australia, you know, drawing just bathroom details or something really boring? You know, did you have a boss that was really mean to you or something? I mean, what what is your problem? Because you don't get it. You didn't even stay in the profession long enough. And, you know, maybe that's probably not a bad thing because we really don't want you in our profession anyway. So time to move on and go be your, what are you now, some human-centrist, smart city, big data strat. I don't know what the hell that means. She's, Look, she's, you know, anyway, I'm sorry. I'm going off because this no, is a no, bullshit article. And this is, right. is and it's, this is the it, kind of crap that, you know, who published this? I don't even know. Medium.com. Medium. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know what that is. But, you know, I mean, they're well, just look, they're, they're shooting of, for it, hits. It got plenty of traction in, in other, you know, like Arc Daily and things like that. And then the rebuttal, you know, with Arc Daily. And, and I'm sure it was posted on numerous other, you know, social media sites. And she and gets Twitter. money for every hit it takes. And that's um, all this is. It's a stupid ass link bait well, article, poorly written, blah, 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 as she says. Well, you know, I mean, you come know, on. Spend a little bit of time and, and think about, you know, what architects really do. I don't think she knows. Uh, well, I, I don't that's think why she I has think, an idea. Well, that's why I think everybody should go and read Guy Horton's article on Arc Daily, and we'll have the link. It's called The Indicator, a rebuttal to why I left the architecture profession. And he's very succinct in his response, and it's a it's a breakdown of everything that she says. And it's basically, you know, talking exactly like what you were talking about, uh, Neil. And, and even with the um, comments, again, you know, going down and reading the comments, because a lot of people have a lot of things to say. And, and really, her the original article, um, you know, generated probably the most heated of discussions and it was it was really interesting because you're right i mean there's a lot of people that i do know that um coming to this profession thinking it's one thing school doesn't really necessarily dispel that myth so then when they finally get to the profession and they realize holy crap i'm not drawing 
you know, 100% of the time. I'm doing this, I'm doing that. I'm, I am doing toilet details. I'm learning how to do, you know, these uh, construction change directives and, and all of these other things. And these things are, these are not things that I would have probably pursued the rest of my degree if they would have told me everything that I would have been doing. <laughs> yeah, right. And, you know, and so... Well, that's why we, you're listening to this show, right? And so, and so you get in, you know, you so you get into you. the profe- you get into the profession. You know, you've got stars in your eyes. You're going to be the next, you know, star architect where you're going to design all these beautiful, wonderful spaces. And then you find out that you've got all of these constraints. You've got everything that's you know piling on of all of these um, you know things that you wrangled in, and you're just. You know, you have a, you know, you start getting a bad taste in your mouth that this isn't really what you signed up for in the first place. And then, you know, you might work for an asshole of a, of a, um, of a boss or a project manager that, you know, kind of treats you poorly because they, you know, are just trying to get the job done and they're, you know, pushing and pushing and pushing. And, you know, you didn't sign up for, um, you know, 80 hours of work a week. You want to have a life. You want to go, you know, meet up with your friends at the bar and drink and play soccer and all this other crap. You want to do all this stuff, but you know, you can't because, you know, the job has now taken over your life. And so now it sucks. And, you know, you have this extra grind about, you know, why architecture is, you know, this, that, the other And reading guys article is, you know, it's fantastic because it's, it's how every one of us, would have answered and, you know, responded to her because, I mean, he basically just said, you know, that all her article was, was just basically, you know, a drone strike, you know, it was, it was just this, this, you know, from afar, I don't really know the profession. So I'm just going to, based off of my one experience, I'm going to say that the entire profession is exactly this way. And it's not. And in fact, it's probably completely the opposite of exactly what she, you know, um, experienced in her, you know, I mean, you probably go and you work for some star architect because, you know, it's a great pad for your resume, or at least you think it is. And so, you know, you go work for the Frankies or Zahas and all this other stuff. And a lot of people that I know that actually did work for them, you know, believe that they were kind of a tyrant. You know, that, you know, because they've got demanding standards and all this other stuff. I want it this way. I want it this way. I want it this way. Well, you know, I have never worked for somebody like that. You know, I've worked for people who, you know, take you to out, you know, when you first get out, they take you to the job sites, kind of show you, you know, construction, show you kind of why you're doing what you're doing and everything else. And, you know, and, and really kind of foster and teach you how to be just the opposite of what she thinks we really are but we all know people who are like that oh absolutely and and i i was i went out with my friend mark after work today and and he made a beautiful point where the argument happens every day in in all of our offices and and that argument is you know when it really comes down to it what does it look like and i think he made this brilliant point where it's like who cares what it looks like i mean do you realize i mean i'm looking right now there's 783 million people in the world who have no access to water and you care what your building looks like no it's all about solving the problems of who hired you to solve those goddamn problems and that's it right and and so the problem is that she's talking about someone that we know we know exactly who she's talking about. And the truth <laughs> is there are people like that. You can't deny it. But oh, yeah. yeah. There but, are. 
that's not yeah i mean and that's why but, we that, and see, that's why you know, we that's the one percent you know that's the one percent of the art of architecture if you go and you start polling the 99 percent you know that care about listening to the con the client then you're going to have a completely different perspective on it and you would have never wrote you know written a article like that yeah because you know that article, as you know, as Guy's uh, response was, is is it was just this emotional, you know, attack on probably her bad experience. Yeah, she's venting. Yep. You know. Yep. So you know. Well, I think what's interesting about all, all the stuff we've talked about tonight is how powerful the soapbox is. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's very interesting to me that we are at a point where we all have this tremendous voice, right? I, I've never heard of any of these people before, right? I mean, I've heard of Guy Horton. I've read some of his Indicator articles previously. But other than that, you know, I haven't heard of of the authors of these other articles. I mean, whether they're architects or not, whether they've worked in it or not. But what is interesting is these articles have brought upon so much awareness because of blogs and social media and people actually having conversations. I mean, we're talking about this. Our audience is listening to it, right? So that's pretty interesting to me. And and I think we're at a point, and this is something that you know we've talked about before, but we have the ability to have global conversations about what matters to us. And we have the ability to change perspective and perception and it's pretty pretty amazing. It's pretty awesome that we can actually do that now. I mean, having a podcast about architecture, you know, 10 years ago, 5 years ago, 3 years ago would have been unheard of. You know what I mean? And so yeah. now we're we're at a point where these debates are happening, and I think, you know, a lot of people are get upset when somebody publishes their opinion, but the truth is is like it's never been easier to put your opinion out there and get people talking about it. I think it's that's the kind of thing that actually can be really good for the profession that we're in is that people can actually hash this stuff out and, and, and give these types of perspectives. Well, you know, and you're right. Because is the AIA doing this? Is NCARB doing this? I mean, back to that. I mean, there's been more talked about these articles than I've seen from any one of these enormous um, associations in the last right. 10 years. Would well, you know that I get more professional development talking with other architects, other design professionals, other engineers, um, door hardware manufacturers and representatives. I mean, I get more out of the conversation that we have over Twitter and Facebook and, you know, through our conversation on the podcast, I get more professional development through that tool than I do through our organizations that are supposed to be providing the professional development that no, let's not you know go we down truly that need. Rabbit hole. Well, no, but <laughs> that's, but I that's, mean, you're right. You're right, but, and you know, I, that's probably a topic for another show, though. Well, but I mean, I just wanted you know playing off of uh, you know Evan's notion of the soapbox. I mean, you sure. know that's where you know. I mean, we now, you know, you know, it's it's giving the voice to the voiceless, you know, if you want to, you know, go that cheesy route. But I mean, it basically is, is that we are now can, 
you know, we're not alone. We, you know, everybody can commiserate with each other and, you know, have these chats about, you know, you know, I had this contractor that did this or I have this client that did that and all this other stuff. And then, yeah, I had that same problem. And it's not, it doesn't just stop there, you know, where we're just, you know, in some little wine session. I mean, we're, we sit there and we talk about how we can get through it and, and what's the best way to possibly, you know, deal with situations like that. Or, you know, so, yeah, I had a problem like that, you know, with that particular detail and I worked it out this way, you know, and it's, you know, it's, it's given us an opportunity to actually expand um, our horizon and get inputs of different experiences and perspectives that otherwise we would never get over some, you know, wine and cheese event at an AIA, you know, design award. Well, it also, it also, gives accountability right because now i mean it's not just architects i guess i'm I'm not, I'm not allowed to call myself that but it, you, you you're not the only one with a soapbox i mean your clients right. have a soapbox now right 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 and and i think that's something that guy horton even said in his article if i remember correctly but he was like you know this will weed itself out because now everybody has a voice and they're the ones who are going to say this architect sucked and this contractor sucked and they have the ability. I mean, Yelp is a huge player in this market all of a sudden, right? I mean, some, it's an app on your right. phone. If I want to find somebody to do that I need something done for, I'm going to go on there and I'm going to read those reviews. And now everybody has a voice. And so you more than ever have the need and desire to do the right thing. And, yeah, not, and I, that's not, super yeah. powerful. Absolutely. But, and Cormac, not to burst your bubble, though, uh, that article that we started off with from Fast Company started off with a uh, discussion thread on the American Institute of Architects LinkedIn group. So, you know, I mean, uh, maybe they're not directly fostering or raising these questions or talking about this or helping us in that way, but... Um, that LinkedIn group did actually start this all off. So, well, you know, maybe that's just a happy coincidence, but, uh, no, actually it was, that was still a, that was a rebuttal to, or a response to the, uh, RB, you know, RIBA, whatever it is. Um, it it was, it was actually them talking about, you know, you know, Oh, I read this article, you know, in, Daniel Leapskin has the nerve of calling himself an architect in London. Well, he's not. You know, but but you're right. You know, in fairness to the AIA, real quick, though, you know, they, you know, with discussion groups like LinkedIn, I mean, I think, you know, and they are active on Twitter and stuff like that. um, They are joining the discussion and they are coming into, you know, the fold of of all of this. You know, they're going to need to do a better job of actually listening to what we're saying rather than just say, yeah, 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 here's your platform, here's your platform, you know, yeah, I've got a couple of extra soapboxes. The thing about you know, all these other blogs is they break out of that echo chamber, right? It's exactly. not that's, just architects yes. anymore talking and about the, this stuff. It's everybody. Fast Company the, is well regarded by tons of people who have nothing to do with architecture. And there's an article about architecture real really calling yourself an architect on fast company i mean that that's huge right right well Th- that, this has drawn more that, attention that's good. yeah it's no, not I agree. good i mean that's good for us that's good for the profession we need we need to get that out i mean the arc the aia has been trying forever 
<clears throat> trying to uh, figure out a way to get us out in front of the public, right? More, <laughs> you know, and and here it is, <laughs> you know, uh, and that's good. That's good for us, and, and you know, hopefully as the economy gets better and, and um, you know, th- this is good for all of us. It gets us involved in the conversation with everybody else. And, and so that, you know, it, this is a positive thing. So, yeah. <laughs> so, guys, I think we're, we're about ready to wrap this up. We, about ready, we've, yeah. We, we're ready. We've hit our time. <laughs> so with that, I mean, you know, Please, you know, give us your comments. I mean, we've 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 hashed out kind of some of our thoughts and randomly, you know, bounced around a lot of different ideas or thoughts about, you know, what we've talked about for this episode uh, concerning the title architect. You know, how does our how do our listeners feel about this? You know, let, let us know. Visit our website at arcuspeakpodcast.com and you'll find our uh our, our, uh, the ArcaSpeak Twitter account and links to our own individual Twitter accounts and a link to the ArcaSpeak Facebook webpage. You can leave us comments on all of those uh, all of those places. And um, you know, if you have a really uh, good point about this that you'd like to make, call and leave us a message at four one five four eight four eight four nine six. And uh, join in the conversation, please. And uh, don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. Um, we really like uh, seeing those, too. That's right. Yeah, we would definitely love to hear some comments and get this conversation going with uh, our listeners. And, you know, make sure, I mean, as we're talking about, you know, engagement from everybody, we'd love to hear it. That's true. All right. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. All right. Good night. Good night. Good night. I join the choir to sing. They're all competing for some other thing. I join the choir to sing. I join the choir to sing. They're all competing for some other thing. I join the choir to sing.
Thing. <laughs>